0: Welcome to the SMA News Today podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Schaefer. I have SMA Type 2, and I am a columnist and forum director for smanewstoday.com. Welcome to the SMA News Today podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Schaefer. And joining me today is one of the other Kevins in the SMA community. Uh, I have with me today, Kevin Chandler, who is an author, speaker... Uh, and founder of the nonprofit organization We Carry Kevin, uh, which he will talk all about today. Uh, He's originally from North Carolina, uh, and now lives with his wife in Katie in Indiana. So we'll be talking about um, Kevin's career and everything in between and um, relationships. So Kevin, it's it's so great to see you, and so great to have you on today.
1: You too, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And also, like, two quick antidotes for listeners. So one, if I sound really nasally, uh, tis the season for allergies, so um, don't worry, I'm not overly sick or anything, but I may have to pause and sound um, a little unlike myself, uh, but um, so just putting that out there, and then the other one, this is one of my favorite stories to tell, but um, I had told this at the SMA conference last year, um, but I was at Barnes & Noble, like, one time, this was on New Year's Eve in 2019, and a lady looked at me like she was starstruck, and she came up to me and asked if I was the World Traveler who made all the adaptive backpacks. And um I had to look at her and say, like, oh, actually, I'm the other Kevin in the SMA community. Uh so and I mean for our listeners who are um uh, don't know what Kevin Chandler is looking, what I look like, I have short, um dark brown hair, darkish like black brown hair, um and glasses. Uh Kevin is redhead, no glasses. So um it just I I posted about it on social media and I was like, you know, all wheelchair users look the same. So um, that's one, so one of my favorite stories. But um, <laughs> but anyway, I will shut up. Kevin, so great to see you today. Yeah, you too, man. Absolutely. Well, um, to get started, so, you know, uh, first off, for those who don't know you, can you talk a little bit about what you do and what We, car- we Carry Kevin is? We'll get more into the um, founding of it and everything about it later on. But if you want to just give a brief intro...
1: Sure. Someone's trying to call me, so let me cancel that.
0: No worries. That's
1: hard. Let's see here.
0: Oh, how do I do this? Ah, sorry. Technical difficulties are always uh, fun. I, I mean, trust me, I deal with them uh, and I'm a um I, I cause them all the time. So
1: there we go. Okay.
0: Perfect. Nice. We're back. <clears throat>
1: um uh yeah, so what I do, um and and what we carry Kevin is, I'll give a little bit of background on that. Um, but I must also compliment you on your Star Wars cup. That was pretty epic.
0: So I've got a, a cup here that has a bunch of different lightsabers on it. And then my name, um, like in the Star Wars logo right at the bottom.
1: So great. So great. Um, so,
0: yeah. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, um,
1: uh, in 2016, uh, my friends and I wanted to go to Europe. And uh, do a lot of things that my wheelchair was not going to be able to, to do. Um, we wanted to dance through the streets of Paris. We wanted to hop over fences in the English countryside. Um, and we also wanted to climb to the top of Skellig Michael, uh, which it was not because of Star Wars, but uh, it, it, that's how most people know what Skellig Michael is. It's where. Uh, Ray was trained in episodes eight like, and nine,
0: I guess. Mainly eight, but yeah, she does not back in nine, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. but she—it's where she tries to hand over the lightsaber to Luke at the end of Force Awakens, and then starts out Last Jedi there.
1: Exactly, yeah. And so um, uh, we mm-hmm. wanted to go there because uh, it has a lot of significance in in history and uh, in Christian heritage, and so. Um, it was kind of a a type of pilgrimage for us that we wanted to take, and um, and we knew. I mean, it's uh, six hundred steps made of uh, very loose rock, um, going up about I don't know seven eight hundred feet, just spiking out of the ocean. So uh, so a wheelchair was not going to go there, and uh, we didn't want to find a way to take a wheelchair there, but we wanted to go and. Um, So we decided that this trip uh, may not be wheelchair friendly, but that didn't mean that it wasn't Kevin friendly. And so uh, we came up with a backpack for my friends to carry me in for three weeks as we had these adventures. And uh, from there, we heard from families all over the world asking two big questions. One was, where did you get this backpack and the other was, where did you get these friends? And so we started a nonprofit to answer those two questions. And uh, so that's what I am doing now, um, full-time running that nonprofit, uh, traveling and speaking, sharing our story, uh, writing books, sharing uh, the story of that adventure, as well as other, other adventures that we've had and um, kind of the... The principle and the ideas behind what we're doing, writing books about that, and um, and then also uh, as we connect with families over these questions, um, the you know to answer that second question, where'd you get these friends? Uh, it would be easy in some ways to write a you know how to yeah you know, here's five steps to make friends. Um, but what we found was the best way to answer that question is to say, uh, I don't know the formula, but I'll be your friend. We'll, we'll come alongside you and and let's start there um, with our friendship and, and grow from there. So we're doing a lot of um, quality time with the families that reach out to us. Um, sometimes that's in person and sometimes it's online like this. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the adventure that we're on right now.
0: I love it. And you know, when I met you, what was it in 2017, I think, um, mm-hmm. you were just getting started with the whole organization and you were, um, premiering a film and your book at a church in, um, in North Carolina, uh, where you're from. So, and I want to talk to you about that, like, uh, going, just backtracking a little to your family life. So, uh, so Kevin, you and your sister, Connie also has SMA, um, can you talk about growing up, your family dynamics, and what it was like for you and Connie, and uh, Connie um, growing up with SMA, and how you approach that?
1: Yeah, so um, we we grew up in a very uh, creative, vibrant <laughs> home. Um, my dad was an airplane mechanic, and um, my my mom was really. Uh, kind of on the front lines involved with the uh the pro life movement, and so um just a lot of action, a lot of creativity in our home. Um, my older brother is a cartoonist, uh, and so yeah, just my my sister grew up to be. Uh, she has two masters, one of which is in teaching English as a second language, and um, and then I just kind of find as many ways as I can to get in trouble. So, uh, so yeah, our, our family, um, Connie and I, Connie and I grew up, uh, asking the question of what, what, what can we do and what do we want to do? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and pushing the envelope on that and, um, and dreaming big and figuring out how to make that happen. And so, um, yeah, a lot of imagination, a lot of play, and uh, a lot of um, fostering courage and creativity in our home. Um, but I, I think too, uh, I'm just gonna keep talking because go ahead,
0: it's yeah,
1: it's to help you out with your your sinuses, So, um, but you know, having a, a sibling who also has SMA, um, we're both in wheelchairs. Um, I think that really helped me growing up um, because Connie is about three years older than me, and so um, I got to see her uh, try things, and then I could I could see you know it kind of gave me permission to also uh, try things and and be brave and and then likewise as we got older, she saw how I did things and kind of piggyback off of that um, so we just really inspired each other and um encouraged each other along as we went um, and just having someone that could really to the bone relate to to what you're going through um, has been a just a really um powerful tool for both of us to have um, it's to, yeah, to have someone that completely gets you in this regard. <clears throat> um, and uh, I would also say, and we were talking a little, a little bit about this before the call, but, um, or before we hit record, but I think also having a sibling with, uh, with SMA also, um, it takes the focus off of yourself. Um, and, and what I mean by that is there have been times when, um, Connie has been in a weaker state than me. And so I need to care for her and vice versa. There have been times when I've been in a weaker state than her. Um, and we, we figured out early on that, um, you know, SMA kind of manifests itself in different ways. Uh, in everybody, it's it's kind of different all the way across the board. Um, I have weaker limbs, my, my arms are a lot weaker. Um, but Connie's lungs are weaker. And so she's more prone to, you know, pneumonia or asthma and things like that. Uh, whereas I, you know, can't always feed myself. Like, that, those are our, our big weaknesses. And I love that they are different weaknesses because then, um, you know, when she's sick, uh, I can read to her, you know, by her bed or, um, you know, if my arms, if I just can't do it anymore for the day, you know, she can pick up the pen and finish writing what I was, what I was doing. And so, um, so not only can we relate to each other, but we're also stronger than each other in certain ways. And so um, I, I'm not always asking for help. I get to also help her. And so those dynamics have been have been really cool um, throughout our lives. I don't think we always uh, realized it or acknowledged it, but um, as we get older, we realize how much those kinds of dynamics have, have shaped who we are. Um, that me a person in a wheelchair whose arms don't work very well and who can't really hold himself upright um i have someone in my family that i get to legitimately take care of you know that that's a really really powerful thing for us
0: so no i love i love that and i think you know when i'm describing sma to other people outside the community i talk about that spectrum there that it really varies like I mean the needs I have aren't going to be the same as someone else's like because like you I have very limited arm strength but for instance I have never really had a trouble with chewing and swallowing or for instance you Mm -hmm. know and and my voice is pretty strong not great today but (laughs) um but that and I love that that um yeah it's not even something you really are cognizant about growing up but it just happens naturally because that's like any family dynamic Um, Mm -hmm. so that's really cool and then you talked about how you had this creative environment fostered um, throughout your childhood and what were some of your earliest interests like um, be it creative or anything else yeah Uh, so my
1: my um, brother and sister and I all loved um, making comic books and playing you know imagining that we were the X-Men, you know, different stuff like that, uh, out in the backyard and, um, you know, the kind of those fantastic movies, uh, you know, back to the future and Indiana Jones, like all the, the fun adventure stuff. My, my brother and I would, uh, you know, record on VHS, uh, the you know Batman Superman adventures or Animaniacs like we just uh, anything kind of goofy and adventurous um, we we latched onto um, and so yeah from an early uh, early on in life I loved um, storytelling whether I was hearing it or seeing it or telling it myself um, that it was really in, ingrained in me. Uh, as a a wonderful thing. And so um I I think that's an interest that has stuck with me uh, ever since. And I mean before I could read my um my sister uh, was reading books to me, that Winnie the Pooh or Chronicles of Arnia, different stuff like that. Um so yeah storytelling was always a big deal. Um I also I I have to laugh nowadays because um, I was really into soccer when I was like 8, 9, 10 years old, <clears throat> maybe a little bit younger than that as well. But um, my dad built a plate on the front of my footrest uh, for me to hit the ball. And and I, I played soccer on the field with the other kids. Uh, and I, I stopped when they were getting too big that if they ran into me, it might be detriment to everyone uh, involved. But, um, and even then I I started uh, helping out with coaching and stuff like that. So I could still be involved. Um, I don't do that anymore, but uh, so I'm, I'm doing this when I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old. Um, And now, you know, there's these whole tournaments of power soccer and they actually have a a wheelchair built specifically for it and i'm like oh man where was that when i was a kid how
0: <laughs> about saying you invented you invented it before it was a thing that's pretty
1: good i i invented it but no one knew i invented Tarned. it <laughs> nobody saw it no um but yeah it's it's super cool to see uh to see that sport taking off and, and going somewhere and to see that the community around it um and uh yeah, so uh, but I have to laugh because I'm like, oh, I was doing that a long time ago. So yeah.
0: that's great. I love it. And and I, you know, and I can see how all of those um seeds for what you were you're doing now were planted in, in terms of your storytelling and um and just the environment around you. And and with that, so looking at around when you were like high school, college age, what were your plans then? Because I mean, I know, I mean, like you said with we carry Kevin it just started as this, you wanted to go on a trip and it turned into this huge thing. But before that, you know, what was your mindset and, um, and you know, and what were you planning on doing?
1: Yeah, that, that's kind of a roller coaster in some ways, but, um, uh, cause in college I actually, uh, I got a degree in counseling in order to go into prison ministry <clears throat> and, uh, ran into some brick walls after college, realizing that uh, I was too much of a hostage risk to to get the, the dream job that I had in mind um, of working in a prison full-time uh, to that capacity. Um, but uh, in high school and college and, and after college a bit, um, I played in a band. Um, it was a, a acoustic punk band called Fluffy Roadkill and um we we got to do a little bit of touring and um recorded a few albums uh, it's my two best friends that i grew up with and we we just love making music together um but uh when we graduated high school that summer after our senior year we wanted to hit the road you know we're a band it's it's time to spread our wings and fly you know and and um and so we made plans to just do, like, a weekend tour, um, just kind of get our feet wet. But uh, up until then, I had never had uh, anyone besides my parents or or my parents' friends do my caregiving, you know, or whoever was hired at the school to help me. Um, but it was always adults, and they were in authority over me kind of thing. And um. And we're in a punk band. We're not going to take my mom on the road. You know, I love her, but that, that's not that's not the place for your mom to be. And, uh, and so these two guys that I grew up with, Danny and Zach, um, I actually was realizing recently, I don't even remember us having a conversation about it. It was just kind of, hey, we want to go on tour. We're going to take care of you. Like, that's what we're going to do. Um, cause that's what we have to do to pull off what we want to, what we want to accomplish. And so, um, we hit the road, just the three of us and they did all of my caregiving, um, while we were on the road, they helped me with the restroom. They got me, you know, changed, like dressed in the morning and they, uh, woke up to turn me in the middle of the night. Like they did everything. And, um, Kind of like we were saying earlier, you don't realize it at the time, but then you look back with kind of that aha moment. But um, but that was really where We Carry Kevin started, <clears throat> because uh, that's when the seed was planted that, oh, I, I don't necessarily need to have uh, hired nurses or my parents or, you know, I don't need someone official do my caregiving all the time i i could my friends can do this we're at an age where that's that's okay you know they're adults and i'm adult uh, an adult and uh and so i can just ask them for help and they can help me and uh and so that kind of translated into college having roommates that that did my care uh so i could live on campus and um Doing a lot of road trips, a lot of traveling, uh, and eventually moved up here to Fort Wayne. Um, and and because of the music uh, experience that I had, I I uh, also got into recording and mixing, and uh, and so I, when the the prison ministry thing didn't work out, I actually uh, became a uh, podcast uh, engineer. And so I would, um, I would do post-production mixing for for a podcast. And that was kind of my full-time job uh, for a few years. And then when the guys and I went to Europe and, um, and came home and started answering those questions uh, that families had, uh, that, that kind of consumed my life. And so I gave up podcasting and, and uh, started doing the nonprofit full-time
0: I love it, and I it is so fascinating to see like is it all those different seeds planted both in terms of like childhood growing up and the imagination, and then to hear the story about your band and everything. And I've read your book, and I know you talk about a lot of this, and um, it's just so cool to see. And um, and that, and were you having friends as caregivers then for a while, like throughout kind of your mid twenties and stuff, or um, what was that um situation, or did you ever do higher professional?
1: Right. Um, so, I've, I I actually have never done any hired professional care. Um, so, uh, in college and right after college, um, I did go through vocational rehab and hired my friends um, to do caregiving. Um, and then when I was moving to Fort Wayne, uh, which was uh, about nine years ago something like that um i just really felt a conviction that um that the hardest part about that whole process uh i'm i'm thankful that those resources are available but the the biggest headache in the whole process was the like getting the paperwork work together and getting the times approved and making sure the checks got out and all that. And it was a headache for the guys as well, not just me. And, um, and realizing that most of them didn't care about the money. It just, it allowed them to, to help me as often as they did. But, um, but they really, they were doing it cause they were my friends. And so I, I felt this conviction that maybe, maybe that was possible. Um, if,
0: if I tweaked, um, if I tweak things a bit. Hey, hold up, Kevin, you're getting like some echo or something or like, um. Oh, weird. It just started or like, it's like a, I don't know, is, is something pressing on your mic or anything? No, no. Okay. It's good now. It looked, well, hang on. Are you good? I don't know. Yeah, I think hang you're good on. now. All right. It's just, well, it's weird. <laughs> hang on. Let me just make sure it's not on mine. I don't think it's on mine, but, uh, sorry. It was just kind of a, like, it sounded like kind of like a throb or something on your mic. Oh. No, it's just sitting there. Okay, it sounds better, but we'll keep going, but I just wanted to make sure. Okay. Yeah. okay.
1: yeah, Yeah. Cool. Well, let me know if it gets bad and I can mute, mute and unmute or something like no that. No worries.
0: No worries. All good.
1: So 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 so, is this is this is this better better better?
0: You got it. You're good, man. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> um, what were you saying? Oh, you were so, talking
0: about yeah, friends like not um and worrying about the pay as much and you know the paperwork and everything being such a hassle. Yeah.
1: Asshole. So so I started wondering, well, um, what is the the struggle like? What is the hurdle to get over? Uh, for just having friends do this. And I realized uh, it's burnout. It's, you know, it doesn't matter actually how much you pay someone. If they're burned out, then then they're not gonna be able to do the job or not even wanna do the job. But if I could take care of my friends well, um, then maybe we could pull this off and we wouldn't need to pay them at all. And so when I moved to Fort Wayne, I decided that that money was not going to be a part of the conversation at all. Um, I was going to simply, the conversation was going to be inviting people in, uh, and, and, and just go from there. And, um, what happened was just remarkable. It was overwhelming because I, uh, I remember calling the guy that I was going to be living with, um, it was a, a friend of my sister's and he needed a roommate. And I was like, hey, yeah, I can I can fill that gap. And I called him and I was like, hey, um, because we're going to be living together, uh, would you mind like helping with some of my caregiving, um, like putting me in bed at night and that kind of thing? And he just kind of laughed. He was like, yeah, I kind of assumed that was part of the gig, you know, like there were some situations where I didn't even need to ask. But, um, uh, yeah, and and, and um, so a couple of guys kind of jumped in when I got, got here and uh, started getting me up in the morning. And uh, there was a coffee shop I hung out at every day. And there were guys that worked there, so they didn't mind helping me with the restroom throughout the day if I needed it. And, uh, and then I got a few more roommates and a few more caregivers and um, my, my circle of friends just grew. And, um, and as it grew, what that meant was rather than uh, this guy coming every day to get me up or coming three times a week to get me up, he only had to come once a week to get me up. And when you're doing something for an hour once a week, like it's easy to, to volunteer that time. You know. <laughs> and so the more guys that I could get to help the better. Um, and so nobody was getting burned out, um, and schedules were work, working out just, you know, just fine. And, uh, and so I've been doing that for the past, um, right about nine years. And, um, it's, it's been awesome. Uh, and you know, now that I'm married, um, don't have to worry about the, the evening care. So <laughs> I, my you know, um, Katie gets me ready for bed and, and all that. And so really, I just have guys that come in the morning to get me up and, uh, and they hang out for a while. And, uh, most of them, if not all of them really see that time as, um, what one of them called a predictable pattern, which is uh, if Kevin and I don't get to hang out the rest of the week, at least I know I'm going to see him on this day, you know. And, and so it's become a gift to them and a gift to me and a gift to our friendship. Um, it gives them routine. It gives them uh, an excuse to hang out with a friend. You know, <laughs> uh, whatever else is going on in their life, they're not like, well, I just need, uh, you know, I just need to go hang out with my, my dude. And uh, instead it's like, oh no, my dude needs me, you know? <laughs> so, so it's really cool. Um, and yeah, so that, that's the life uh, that I'm living in that regard. And so when it came to, uh, going to Europe and doing the the wheelchair Kevin trip, uh, it was a matter of inviting those guys into that uh, adventure, and um, and taking taking what we do here in Fort Wayne on this uh, small uh, small town scale, and saying what if we do it, you know, in the streets of Paris, and um, and without a wheelchair. <laughs> So, just upping the stakes, you know, is really all we did.
0: I mean, yeah, just a little. and it and again, it's just the way that it evolved from this you know trip you always wanted to take into you know this now you know, all-consuming part of your life. and um mm-hmm. and it opened up doors for a career and all these facets. And um, what's been, I guess ever since you know the the first trip, what's been the biggest surprise for you, um in terms of? What we carried, Kevin, turned into.
1: Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I didn't even know if the trip was going to happen. Like, really, I mean, it was so crazy and and off the wall. Um, that I I kind of wondered if it was even going to be possible, and that continues to happen. Where, um, you know, we have dreams, and we say, well. I, you know, I, I, they seem ridiculous. They seem impossible. Um, how on earth could we, you know, travel to, to Texas and just spend time with families? And like, who's gonna, uh, who's gonna accept that as a viable thing to do, you know? And there were actually people that said, Hey, we want to support that because we think it's important for you to be present and for you to give that gift of of quality time uh, to families. And so, um, yeah, just I think the surprises keep coming out of uh, the impossible continuing to happen over and over.
0: Yeah, I love that. And well, and speaking of that, so you mentioned Katie earlier uh, your wife. So can you talk about that? You know, um, I know briefly a little about the story of how you met, but, um, if you can tell listeners about that and how your relationships have evolved ever since then.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, she's awesome. Uh, she's not here right now. Otherwise I'd be like, come in here. But, um, uh, so after the Europe trip, um, about two years later, the guys and I went to China and part of our time in china was spent at an orphanage for children with disabilities and um katie was working there um kind of helping out with um with the kids training the nannies on how to uh care for these children in a creative way you know um because they have different disabilities that make them nonverbal or non-mobile or whatever the case may be. And so uh, you have to think outside the box on how you're going to care for them, um, especially in the uh, attachment sense of um, helping these kids feel safe and loved and cared for. And so that was her job, was figuring out how to do that and training the caregivers in that. And, uh, and so she was at the the place where we were staying, and um, and we just hit it off. We became friends and um, stayed in touch. And um, I I found myself probably eight or ten months after being there and staying in touch with her. Uh, I found myself um, uh, really like having to remind myself that she was in China, being like, why Why are you? Remember, she's in China. Wait, why are you reminding yourself of that? It doesn't matter. You guys are just friends, but she's in China, you know. And uh, and we had a, a mutual friend that I got lunch with one day, and that friend uh, suggested that I ask Katie out, and uh, it was like a dam just burst in me of like, oh, that's what I want. That that's why I've been homesick for the past. 10 months, um, because I met this person that, um, is my other half and she's literally on the other side of the world. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I took some time to, to pray about it. And, um, cause you don't want to take someone away from the work that they're doing when it's that, uh, important and profound. Um, but I, I prayed about it and then I, uh, send her a text and, uh, said, uh, Hey, next time we're in the same country, do you want to get dinner? Can I take you out to dinner? And she wrote back and said, yes, I would very much like to, um, I'm going to be in Ireland in two months, uh, or not Ireland. I'm going to be in Australia in about two months for a few days. Uh, if you, uh, if you have any speaking gigs there, let me know, um, you know, haha." But really, I'll see you next time I'm in the States kind of thing. And so I I called her and I was like, well, I don't have anything in Australia, but um, I I will come and I'll meet you there. Um, I'll, I'll take you out on a date um, because you're worth it. And so, uh, yeah, we met up in Sydney, Australia, got to uh, walk the streets for like three or four days and eat fish and chips on the beach and uh, wander around bookstores and gardens, and my dad went with me, and um, and my friend Luke, and they did all my caregiving, um, and uh, yeah, we just got to spend spend time together, and so we did that exactly a year after we met, and then exactly a year later, uh, in September of 2020, right in the middle of all the crazy, uh, we got married here in Fort Wayne, and. Uh, settled down. So that's a very, very short version of our crazy adventure.
0: But hey, but the big, well, the big takeaway from that the listeners out there is that if you have any doubts about asking that person out or anything like that, and you're like, oh no, they're not interested, or, you know, they're on the other side of the country, big deal. This guy did it. So, you know, uh, 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 so I, but I love that story <laughs> and that it, I'm that it worked out and nice. everything. It's great. But yeah. yeah. And, I, well, I mean, obviously, so she was already working um in that nonprofit space with like those with disabilities, but nonetheless, what was, I guess her exposure to SMA or what questions did she have um when you were beginning your relationship?
1: Yeah, um one one big one for her was, uh, and she actually asked this like i I asked her out like officially, you know, at the end of our. Our trip to Australia. I said, Would you be my girlfriend? And she, she said, Yes. And then she was like, But I, I have a question. And, um, and one of her main questions was uh, that, you know, when we were all she had seen was uh, the guys picking me up and carrying me around and, you know, taking me under my chair or carrying me on their back. and no, not using a lift or anything like that. So she was like, how, how am I going to, like, are we always, if we get married, are we always going to have to travel with caregivers or like, you know, uh, how I, I'm not going to be able to lift you. How does this work? And um, my dad had actually invented a, uh, yeah, airplane mechanic. He had invented a, a lift system that, runs off of my wheelchair and um, and so he had invented it for my sister um, and, and so when she asked, I was like, oh, we got that covered. you'll never have to lift me. We got we got a lift system, everything's fine. Um, so uh, all that to say, yeah, she was worried about kind of that physicality of of caregiving, but it's never really been an issue. Um, she, I don't think she had ever had any direct uh, contact with anyone with SMA particularly, but um, uh, the kids that she worked with had CP and spina bifida and, and you know, things like that. And so um, she was very aw- aware and comfortable with, um, you know, diseases that affect mobility and um, I something that I really love about Katie, uh, one of the millions of things that just blow my mind about her uh, is that um, she really uh, she sees the heart in people and um, and knows how to celebrate that and bring that to the forefront and um, and bring the best out of them. And so um, I think. Uh, I'm I'm just really thankful that she uh, she saw my heart um, beyond the the wheelchair and beyond the needs and the the disability itself. She saw who I was. She she tells the story of when we were in China and and we got there and she um, she met us all and she said, "Wow, who are these awesome guys that carry?" Kevin around. And then uh, very shortly after she started uh, asking herself, wait, who is this guy that's taking care of his friends in such a way that they want to carry him? And um, and so yeah, just I think that that is a superpower of hers, a a God given superpower that that, um, that she can cut to that and see um, see the person kind of through everything else. And so, yeah, I'm just thankful for that because she really got to know me and continues to get to know me and continues to see me as um, as something more than a guy in a wheelchair. So makes me forget I'm in a wheelchair.
0: No, I love that story and the way, you know, anything of all that. Looking forward to meet Katie at the conference this year too. So yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, Kevin, um, this has been great sharing everything here. And then can you talk just a little bit about your daily life now? Um, what a a typical day of the week looks like for you? Um, of course, you know, of course I realize it's dependent on if you're traveling and everything else, but, um, but generally what is a day in the life look like for you?
1: Oh man. I, I don't even know right now. You asked me on the wrong day. (laughs) No. Um, I mean, really, it's it's kind of a get up in the morning and see what's on the agenda, and hopefully, don't forget about interviews like this one. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I do, but um, but yeah, I I mean, a lot of it has to do with the nonprofit, and um, my sister actually works for us now. <clears throat> works for We Carry Kevin. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, she is our director of family engagement. So every family that reaches out about a backpack, uh, she stays in touch with. And so we like to say that she has, uh, about 900 pen pals in 39 countries around the world. And, um, so, you know, a lot of my work is in tandem with what she is doing, um, And yeah, keeping up with what we're doing online, um, keeping up with speaking engagements and interviews. um, But then also, in between all of that, um, working on some new books um, to to share more of our story and more of the idea behind our our story. Um, And yeah, that's, that's kind of my day.
0: That's great. And you mentioned, too, before we start recording, an update you had with We Carry Kevin. You want to share that? Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, So, yeah, a a big thing that's going on at We Carry Kevin right now. Uh, A few months ago, I think it was actually uh, right after Thanksgiving on Giving Tuesday, we launched this uh, new platform, which uh, we call our Causes page. And if you go on our website... um, there's a section where um, families who want a backpack but can't afford it, um, we set up a crowdfunding page for them on our website and then they can share that page uh, to their community online and um, get their their community around them to um, donate to their backpack and, and sponsor their backpack. Uh, which, um, especially if it's overseas, the the shipping just gets so outrageous. Um, a lot of families may be able to afford the backpack, but not the shipping or or uh, the the taxes or anything. So, so yeah, we've created this platform for crowdfunding uh, each family's backpack, and I love it because what it does is um, it gives that family or that individual, um, it gives them voice. Um, it also gives them uh, something kind of a, a softball pitch of asking for help uh, in their community, inviting people into their need. Um, you know, asking, <clears throat> sorry, asking for uh, help to raise money for a backpack. So, you can go hiking is a lot more fun than asking for help uh, to go to the bathroom. You know, like and so, um, it's giving them that opportunity to invite people into their need and hopefully start some conversations and um, build more community around them um, because we also share those those causes pages <clears throat> and um, and so sometimes the people who donate to those causes um, aren't part of their community, but then now they are. Now they are tied into them. So we're giving voice and building community. And then, of course, once it's fulfilled, we send them the backpack. So that also gives them opportunity to, to go out and have their own adventures. Um, and then we get to share those stories as um, as they share them with us. And, you know, those adventures could be uh, anything from, we've seen a family uh, hike up a volcano. We've seen a family walking across a frozen lake. Um, But then we've also seen families that, uh, you know, use it for their farm chores in the morning and they take their child with them. Or they, use it to uh, take the bus to doctor's appointments um, because there aren't accessible taxis where they live. And so, um, yeah, it just uh, the possibilities are endless um, because these families are uh, getting creative and thinking outside the box um, while using the backpack. So, so we get to share those stories and build community. And um, yeah, so... Uh, it's kind of funny, I don't know when this episode will <clears throat> will air, but all of our causes actually got fulfilled um, like sometime last week. So right now, we're, um, we we don't have any up on the website right now, um, but probably once this episode comes out, we'll have some work because um, families just continue to reach out and say, hey, how do I get a backpack? And how do I get these friends? And so this is how we're we're trying to answer those questions. So check it out. And um, you know, since this is for the SMA community, if you're interested in the the backpack, um, that may be a good way to to get one um, to to get your own. So check it out. And um, if you or someone you know might be interested, then let us know.
0: I love it. That's great. And, excuse me. And, um, well, Kevin, I know we've had, uh, this has gone, we've gone over a little bit, but that's okay. We, this has been great. But just in closing <laughs> here, oh, I was getting, no, just in closing here, and I know a lot of what you said kind of answers this question, but what advice do you have to others in the SMM community, especially those who may be doubting something? You know, I talked about um, the relationship thing earlier, but whether it's applying to anything, whether it's, you know, an adventure they want to do or, a career or a relationship anything like that what advice mm. do you have um particularly to that group of people mm.
1: yeah i i think i just go back to uh what i grew up with which was um figure out what you want to do and figure out how to, how how to do it um and it might look differently than you expected but that's not necessarily a bad thing um So dream big and go for it and, um, and invite others into it. Um, that, and that goes beyond asking for help. Um, it really, I, I choose carefully those words of invite people into your world, invite people into your need, um, to be part of it and care for them along the way, um, let it be an experience for you and them together because uh you could you could take over the world and be hugely successful and um you know find the the key to independence and uh and all this stuff um but if you do it by yourself it's kind of it, it it's lacking um there's a richness to inviting people into your dreams and your needs and uh and you're gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a really beautiful thing so
0: yeah I think that's perfect uh, you know and um and I love to see just in the time I've known you to see how much you know the organization's grown um mm-hmm. all the things like you're experiencing and everything so that's great and um and yeah so we'll and I'll let you know if anyone else in public mistakes um uh, me for you' uh, would yeah. be pretty great you know because we're or the we're other way around. T- that would be if you get mistaken for me, that would be just something else. But yeah, let me, know, awesome. definitely let me know there. But yeah, man. Well, Kevin, thanks so much again. And for our listeners out there, you can go to Kevin's website. Um, is we care kevin.com or dot org dot org dot org. Okay, got it. And then all his social media there is for that. We'll drop links in the description as well. Um, but Kevin, thanks so much again for coming on today. This has been great. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you. Absolutely. And for our listeners out there, You can listen to more stories and conversations like this by subscribing to the SMA News Today podcast. You can also connect with us directly in our forums and check out smanewstoday.com for all the latest SMA news and perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Schaefer. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Take care. The information in our flash briefings and podcasts are provided for informational and educational purposes only. Be sure to tune in daily to SMA News Today. For the latest news and perspectives regarding the disease. Discover more content that might be of interest to you at www.smanewstoday.com and be sure to follow us on social media and join our SMA News Today forums, a trusted SMA community ready to welcome you anytime.